0: Right, so we're back for another episode of Revelations Podcast. Today is episode 19 and the topic is Latin artists are they giving credit where credit is credit, due credit. right so i just want to say thank you to everybody who's been tuning in who's been coming back checking on your boy i really appreciate everybody who's been giving me their feedback telling me that they're enjoying the podcast telling me that you know they're actually finding it informative i really appreciate it cuz a lot of work goes into the research right? a lot of work goes into finding the facts finding the historical data about the topics that i i guess address Right. So I really appreciate it. If you would like to further support Woke Up A Rebel, which is Aisha and I. Aisha is a.k.a. Jungle Royalty, my DJ partner in crime. You can support us by going to wokeuparebel.com and you can check out what we have going on over there. We have our shop with some exclusive merch. That's where you will find the Woke Up A Rebel newsletter. You will find all the links to the podcast. You'll find the Spotify playlist and just everything. If you want to hire us to DJ your next event, you can find the draft outline of our booking contract. You can just fill it in with what you need from us, what what the event is, and all of that stuff. Just filling your information. It's not a binding contract. It's just to give us an idea of what you're do of what you need us to do for you. You can send that attached or email us at info at wokeuprebel.com. All right, so the newsletter dropped on Monday, February 27th. And as you already know, if you've been listening to the last few episodes, every episode will be connected with the newsletter slash blog entry. If you haven't subscribed to the newsletter and receive it in your email every Monday, that's okay. You can head over once again to wokeuparebel.com. Look for the Woke Up A Rebel newsletter option at the top menu. Click on it. There's also the function to subscribe if you would like. And we're going to get right into the topic. Latin artists, are they giving credit where credit is due? Right, so the way this works, I'm going to just be reading and elaborating on what I'm reading from the blog. And if you're listening to this on YouTube at the end of this or while you're listening to this, hit pause. If you have a thought that you would like to share, drop it in the comments. I would love to hear what you have to say. I would love to hear your opinion, your feedback, you know, on any of the topics. If you disagree with anything that I say, please let me know in the comments. You know, it's an open space. Just please always be respectful when you're commenting. OK, so land artists, are they giving credit where credit is due? Now, the reason why this topic was very important for me to write is because the conversation has been ongoing with a lot of Jamaican artists. The conversation has been ongoing with a lot of African-American artists saying that Latinos have hijacked their music, have hijacked their style. And I can understand why they would feel that way. I'm not denying that there is maybe some truth in what they're saying, but at the same time I have to and I'm not and I'm trying to come as unbiased as I possibly can because I want to be able to see it from the perspective of the people who are claiming this, but I also wanna be able to give the perspective of, you know, a person who's a part of the Latin American community. And I, for one, can tell you that with my with my upbringing, I was mainly exposed to hip hop most of my life. I didn't really know Latin music like reggaeton and stuff until I hit maybe grade eight, grade nine. There was a time where I was literally just consumed with with hip hop, watching BET, 106 in Park, much music for Rap City. Same with BET's Rap City, The Basement. Like I was consumed by hip hop. Right? So now there's an issue that a lot of people are having because of the fact that, you know, Latin hip hop, Latin trap, reggaeton has blown up globally. And some people feel like they're not being compensated. If you check out episode number 17, it's Should Anyone Be Able to Own a Drum Pattern? This kind of touches more on that subject where two legendary dance hall producers are basically suing, well, the estate of one. And the remaining living member of the Stevie and Clevy uh, producing, production duo from Jamaica, they're basically suing all of reggaeton. So if you'd like to check that out, please head over to that right after you check this episode. It'll be linked in the description box if you're listening on YouTube right so let's get to it many people think that when a genre becomes popular over the world those styles are being appropriated without giving proper credit to the communities and countries that originated it some people think that the creators of the music don't have opportunities as a result of their art while others make money off of it With the global rise of Amapiano music would the world feel this way if Latinos started making music in this realm And if you're unfamiliar with Amapiano Amapiano is a South African style of music that's been blowing up up okay like it's been happening in south africa for a while but now the world is starting to really notice that this genre is coming up it's loosely i can say this it's a mixture of deep house with like afrobeat and techno like it's it's an interesting style like very and i believe there's like also South African style of music that is also incorporated in it, right? So some individuals in North America and the Caribbean believe that Latinos have benefited from genres like hip-hop, trap, dance music, Afrobeats, and dancehall without showing any gratitude to the groups who created them, or should I say very little credit, I guess? Will people react the same way if Latinos participate in the booming South African Amapiano genre? i piano, which is Zulu, meaning the pianos is a subgenre of house music that first appeared in South Africa in 2012. The South African genre really stands out with its bouncy bass lines and percussion. The log drum, pianos, and saxophones are common sounds in this genre. A few weeks ago I prepared my newsletter with the main goal of learning more about this musical phenomenon through study. This time I'm not discussing the history behind it or arguing about who was the first to do it. I've been constantly wondering about the genre of music. Who will be the first Latin urban musician to collaborate on a song with a South African superstar and where the sound originated? I pose this query because there have already been significant crossover songs made by reggaeton artists who either independently produced Afrobeat songs like Ekis by Nicky Jam and J Balvin, Dream Girl Remix by Ear Says, I think that's how you say his name, and Rao Alejandro, and Komun Bebe by Bad Bunny, J Balvin, and Mr. Easy, or worked with major Nigerian Afrobeats heavyweights. Since Latin performers have become so prevalent in Afrobeat's music, I must admit that I'm becoming a little tired of them doing it. And honestly, like I'm I don't know if I'm the only one, but it's just like Latinos have been doing so much Afrobeat over the last few years that I I am I'm over it. You know, like I really feel like as a Latino that was a very opportunistic thing to do. Crossover and it was inevitable, right? Like Afrobeats, it kind of goes along with the same rhythm as reggaeton, as dance hall, right? So I could understand that the crossover was inevitable, but I just feel like we weren't, like Latinos weren't really noticing it until Drake came out with One Dance and other songs and it started to blow up in the American mainstream. Could this be a case for somebody to try to call Latin artist culture vultures? Perhaps. Some people do feel that way. Now, this is a query that is uncommon in the Latin music community. Have Latin urban musicians appropriated African and African-American music for their own cultural purposes? I am aware that some Jamaicans believe that reggaeton has taken the world by storm, but they also believe that the singers who have benefited from this subgenre of dancehall have not given enough respect to the music's origins. Buju Bantan expressed his admiration for Afrobeats in an interview with On Stage TV, noting that the genre shows respect for dancehall, which served as its inspiration. He noted that reggaeton, which he claims stole dancehall's musical aspects and never attempted to build a bridge or show respect for it, is not like this. Right, so Buju is very open about how he feels about reggaeton, and he basically says he has no love for it. Because uh, I guess based on his own experience, his own, I guess what shows up on his feed, on social media, and whatever, like it doesn't really show that Latinos have given credit where credit is due when it comes to where they get the ideas for reggaeton. But. I can honestly tell you that I truly do believe there has been more than enough honor given to the origins of reggaeton. There have been so many crossover performances with Mr. Vegas, Notch, Sean Paul, Red Rat, Sasha, like a lot of the dancehall artists have actually worked with reggaeton producers and artists. Although Bujubanton is a legend, I'm sure most Latinos, if not all, believe that his remark is false because so many songs pay homage to reggaeton's dancehall origins. On November 15th, 2022, Daddy Yankee revealed in an interview with Dominican content producer Santiago Matias of Alofoque Radio Show that as a youngster, he would listen to Jamaican dancehall music and just started rapping over it in Spanish. Yankee has previously acknowledged that reggaeton has Jamaican origins. He never fails to point out that Puerto Rico would not have acquired that sound and style if it weren't for Panama's influence and Jamaica. Along with many others, Nicky Jam, Farruko, Voltio, Notch, Looney Tunes, and Evie Queen have created songs and visuals that give credit to the Jamaican roots of the genre. Right, so like, I don't know where Buju's getting his information from. I mean, like I said, it's based on his experience. He was locked up for a while, right? So he did miss out on a lot of the emergence or the globalization of reggaeton. Okay, so moving along, we're going to head over to... To the cold north up to the six and we're gonna talk about drake a little bit toronto's own drake has been criticized and sometimes labeled a culture vulture because of the fact that he's worked with artists across many genres including grime, dancehall, afrobeats, reggaeton, dance music, baile funk, and more. In an interview with Rap Radar, he stated that those who were critical of him participating in these genres weren't even supporting those artists to begin with. And that's a fact, right? Like, I didn't know what afrobeats was until Drake sort of introduced it to the world. I honestly thought it was just like a type of dancehall in my ignorance. Drake made it clear that appropriating is taking something for your own personal gain and denying that it was ever inspired from this which I think means that if you do a song using another culture's rhythms and not even acknowledge that you were inspired by said genre, that's taking for your own what someone else created because not everyone in the world is familiar with various genres and may think that that artist is the originator of that sound. He also said, anytime I embark on one of those journeys, I ensure that I am not only paying all due respects verbally, I make it a point to give opportunities to the people I respect. He makes sure that he tries to give a boost to the artist that he's working with or that he's sampling from. Buju Bantan shared his thoughts on how he believes Latinos have culturally hijacked dance hall. And we also heard Drake's interpretation of what it means and his justification for not doing the infraction for which he has been charged, which is being a culture vulture. The next artist that I'm going to talk about is a reggaeton and Latin trap superstar that goes by the name Anuel AA, or for those of you who have no idea what I just said, his name is Anuel AA, like AA batteries. So the reason why I brought him up is, you know, when it comes to cultural appropriation, Anuel was on... DJ Academics podcast and if you don't know who DJ Academics is he's a hip-hop pers- he's a hip-hop media person you know blogger who's who started off his career from documenting the war in Chirac, aka you know the gang wars I guess that was happening in uh, Chicago in the mid-2000s and academics grew in popularity from there. Right. So he made it to a point now where he has an exclusive podcast deal with Spotify. So with that partnership, he's able to get more high profile guests, I guess, to have on his show. Right. So Anuel was Anuel Doble A was interviewed by well known hip hop analyst and podcaster DJ Academics for his off the record show on Spotify. Anuel honors the musicians who gave him the inspiration to create music. He claimed that English speaking hip hop musicians had a big influence on him. I was reading the comments in a YouTube video of the interview posted by academics. So the reason why I said that is because, you know, Anuel is Puerto Rican. And as far as I've known most of my life, Puerto Ricans get the pass to use the N-word. One thing I know for sure is that a lot of people in the black community are still up to this day not cool with anybody using the N-word unless you are you know, of African descent. And, you know, Anuel comfortably uses the N-word just like any other Puerto Rican, like, you know, even Fat Joe, you know, hit. I think his hair is like dirty blonde and he has blue eyes. You know, you could, you would, unless he spoke Spanish or unless you knew kind of like that he's Latino, you would never think it. You would think it's some white guy that just gets a free pass to use the, the N-word. In the comments during the academics interview with Anuel, you know, a lot of people are saying, it's like, yo, is this guy really saying that? Like, did I just hear right? You know, in 2023, a lot of people are still not okay. I had a situation, you know, maybe 2006, 2007, you know, like, like I said, I grew up in the black community. I, like I said, you know, like I grew up around hip hop. Like hip hop was life for me. It wasn't until high school that I started getting brainwashed that I only had to hang out with the Latinos. You know, like, I had to hang out with my own kind. Like it was pr- like a prison yard or something. Right, but up un- up until then, like, I was hip-hop everything. So I thought I, ha- I thought I had the pass to use the N-word on, you know, I would use it with my friends and... They didn't seem to have a problem with it. But when I worked somewhere, you know, in 2006, I had a co worker who's Jamaican. And when I went up to him and I said, What's up? I shook his hand and I said, Yo, what's up? My n word. He looked at me crazy, like, Did this guy just call me that? And he didn't say anything right away. But, you know, I think uh, later on in the day, or I think maybe a day later or something, he approached me and he confronted me about it. He said that it made him feel uncomfortable. And he said that, you know, I can't use that word. I'm not allowed to use that word because I'm not black. I don't know about the struggle that goes behind it. But, I don't think he realized, or maybe he has no idea what the Latino experience is, but we're basically all in the same neighborhoods. We're basically all at the same disadvantages almost. You know, most of us come from immigrant families and, you know, we didn't come, a lot of us don't come from money, right? So we were in these neighborhoods together. We're struggling together. The police will stop you and me, same way. But I totally get it. Some people are just not okay for people to use the N word unless you're black. And That's cool. And I learned something from that. Right. And, you know, as much as I have my own opinions about Anuel, mostly not very positive, but I can at least say that he went on record to say that most of his influences are English speaking American rappers. It's not even reggaeton artists. It's not even people from Puerto Rico. It's American hip hop artists were his main influence. Right. So, you know, like we really need to focus on finding out. Our similarities, you know, not just in music, but also in culture, also in history, the way we've been treated by the same oppressive, colonized mindset that controls our society. We really need to see the similarities that we have and stop seeing the differences. You know, like we can, the crazy thing is, we can go down the list of how we have so many similarities based on how we suffer. We suffer very similarly, but. We also need to start highlighting how we are similar in positive ways. Like, music, Like, I know that I, I'm starting off with music because this is a music podcast, but musically, Latinos, black people, yo, we have something in common. We share the same rhythm, the same sounds. It's just in a different language. You know, there's nothing stopping black people, you know, like a Beyonce from doing a salsa song or a bachata song. There's nothing stopping NBA Youngboy from doing a reggaeton track. You know, like, I don't think people would frown on it. You know, a lot of people already bridge those gaps. A lot of people already pave that way. But we don't talk about it anymore. You know, the crossovers with the Tego Calderon jumping on the reggaeton version of We Stay Fly. Remember that song from Jim Jones back in the day? You know, there's so many crossover tracks. 50 Cent, well, it's not a reggaeton track, but 50 Cent did a track with we see Andel, right? We've been seeing this. Sean Paul doing tracks with reggaeton artists, right? Sean Paul doing tracks with uh, Tiny, the reggaeton superstar. These crossovers are already happening. So if it's already happening in the world where, you know, they benefit off of it financially, why don't we as a society realize, hey, if we unite, we could probably make some money together, you know, like build wealth together, I guess, you know. Anyways, I went a little sidetrack on there. Some contend that Latinos played no part in the development of hip hop. Latinos have been involved in the genre since the beginning, according to artists like Fat Joe, who have discussed this on several platforms, including Vlad TV. DJ Charlie Chase, Errol Eduardo Bedward, a.k.a. Pumpkin, the, the Rock Steady crew, and many others played crucial roles in the development of hip-hop, especially in light of the fact that it all took place in the South Bronx, New York, an area with a sizable Latino population. And here are you know a couple of stats over 45% of Bronx residents speak Spanish and 54% of them are Latino. And this is according to worldpopulationreview.com. And this was the Bronx population of 2022. The thing about Latinos is that we come in all colors, hair types, eye colors, and dialects. One thing a lot of non-Latinos think is that there are no black people in Latin American countries other than the Caribbean nations, right? Like Cuba, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic. I mean, that's okay. It doesn't, you know, like some people just don't know. Some people don't, they're, they they do not Certain things don't cross their mind. African culture is a major part of the Latino culture when it comes to music, food, and spirituality. It's unfortunate to see that racism and white supremacy are still rampant in Latin America, right? So for example, Colombia's new vice president, Colombia's new vice president, Francia Marquez, is of African descent. She's not being well-received by a lot of Colombians who don't believe she deserves to be there simply because of her skin color, right? And when I came across this story, I saw some clips online, and this is crazy how people that are also Colombians, you know, there's, I just imagine white supremacy down south USA saying the same things this lady was saying in the video that I saw, right, where she's talking so horribly about the vice president of Colombia, right, and I, and I felt ashamed. I'm like, wow, like, doesn't she realize that if both of you were in the United States and standing side, side by side, police would view you the same. This also brought me to the story about actor José Teno Huerta Mejia, and if you don't know who he is, he's actually the person who played the character in the series Narcos Mexico, that discovered the method of creating sinsimia, seedless marijuana, right? So that's where I first was introduced to him. And now, and recently, he was casted as Namor in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So the reason why I wanted to talk about him is because surprisingly, well, to some of us, it's not surprising, but surprisingly, it actually made it to mainstream news where it came out that, you know, he was getting a lot of backlash from Latinos, which is very disappointing to say the least. A brown-skinned Mexican actor with indigenous roots seems to be a problem for some. It's no secret that Latin American media has always been whitewashed from news anchors, hosts from morning shows, telenovelas, movies, musicians, etc. This is a top behavior, and we have an opportunity right now to change the narrative. And what I mean is that when people outside of Latin America turn on Telemundo or Univision, all they see are white-skinned people, which is understandably why a lot of African-Americans believe we are culture vultures when it comes to urban music. Majority of the reggaeton and Latin trap artists don't look like American English-speaking rappers who are predominantly African-American. We only have a few artists such as Don Omar, Tegu Calderon, Sech, Goyo from Chocuip Town. well actually the whole of Chocuip Town, Amara La Negra and a few others who have been able to break through the stereotypes and become superstars. It's crazy and sad at the same time that it was Latinos right across you know, Latin America that were hating on the fact that Jose Teno Cuerta Mejia was casted as No More. In the movie. And it's crazy how people were saying that it should have been William Levy. And if you don't know who William Levy is, he's like a very well-known Cuban actor. And, you know, he's blonde, white skin. And for some reason, people thought that, you know, he would look more appealing on screen than the character who actually ended up playing the more, which is somebody that in all honesty looks more like me. And I felt very proud to see that. I have never really seen somebody that looks like me portrayed as a hero, portrayed as a savior, I guess, for his people in a movie, right? It's always, like, I'm. my people are always portrayed as the Mexican gangsters, bald head, you know, white t-shirt, khakis, chucks, or Cortez shoes, and that's it, you know? And no offense to Noel Guglielmi is his name? Noel from, like, all. he's basically Hector in, like, every movie, right? The bald head gangster guy. He was in a few movies. He was in uh, Fast and Furious. He was in Training Day. And he's always that character, you know, and there's, hey, that's his hustle. I'm not hating on it, but it's just like, we're more than just that stereotype, right? And it was really good to see this man basically as, for lack of a better term, a lowercase G God, you know, amongst his people. And I was just very shocked that people were very bothered by that. But hey, go rot in your bitterness, right? And I I think it was really cool, really cool representation, you know, that, you know, I guess and in more indigenous looking Latinos can get a shot and succeed as well on the big screen. Right. So after considering everything, you know, that we just discussed that you heard me talk about, I am very confident that we're going to once more bring worlds together and bring game-changing collaborations between African American, African and Latin urban icons. And I say this in regards to the South African genre of Ama Piano. And honestly, mark my words, it's only a matter of time until Latinos start creating music in the ama piano genre. It's inevitable, it's such an amazing genre, right? One thing that must be made obvious is that South Africans are the sounds creators and every song that uses that sound must give them due honor and what i mean by that pay them the royalties pay them what they deserve pay them pay them what is theirs i think it's only a matter of time before we hear a song in the amapiano genre with spanish lyrics that will become viral some people might be happy about it some people might not there's already people in the in the amapiano circles that are saying that you know once Ama piano really globalizes, they're afraid that it's gonna get watered down, it's gonna turn into pop, and credit is not gonna be given, you know, to the originators of the sound. But people like us that are listening, we're gonna make sure that we always give credit where credit is due, right? When it comes to if we're borrowing sounds from other cultures to create quote unquote Latin music. Right, so thank you so much for joining me once again for Revelations podcast. If you would like to subscribe to the newsletter slash blog, please do so. You can head over to wokeuparebel.com, check in the menu for Woke Up a Rebel newsletter. You'll see in the drop down menu the icon to subscribe. Just click that button, subscribe. I promise you that your information is not shared, your email is not shared. You're not gonna get weird emails from anybody else stating, you know, they want to buy something. Okay, we're not. I don't even know how to go about doing that, to be honest. Okay, if you would like to follow us on instagram look up woke up a rebel same on twitter and if you want to follow and if you could please subscribe on youtube look for at woke up a rebel tv in the search i I don't know why you have to put at in front of it i don't know if that's something that i did but for now at woke up a rebel tv on youtube please subscribe drop some comments if you want to share your thoughts it's a safe space but please be respectful when you are sharing your thoughts right? So stay blessed. God bless. And we will meet back here for the next podcast. It's going to drop very soon next week. Okay. Stay blessed. Peace out.